Greetings, ladies and metalgents, and welcome to this latest rendition of Tales from Outer Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. Now, on to the science fiction. Story number one. That isn't a ship, it's a cannon with FDL. Written by In Babylon They Wept. A Grolthron's gut was a grotesque thing to behold, soft and distended, covered with a coarse layering of fur, a fat purple worm of a skull crossing over its almost spherical circumference. So vicious was the skull that even gazing upon it brought unwanted imagery of the fat ape-like creature screaming in pain, both arms working as a dam to keep this idle wave of bloody guts from spinning out of its three-fingered fists. Yet, for all these grotesque horror, he trusted it. The same gut that had almost gotten him killed so many years before had worked hard to save him again and again after. It was what had brought him from a mere gang press to quartermaster all the way to the captain of his own pirate vessel. And right now, it was telling him to call off the attack. The readings he was getting from the craft ahead made no sense. The crew space was too small. The energy readings were off the charts, and by design there seemed to be something almost military about it. Yet, as he looked over the hull, he couldn't spot a single weapon. Nothing about it made sense. The crew had enough in the larders to pass on the ship the sturdy. Even as the ships on either side of him pulled forward, eager to be the first to raid the craft, he aborted the ram sequence to watch from a distance. The crew was disappointed. It had been too long since they had a good, solid fight. But they knew better than to second-guess Agrol's gut. It had earned its place in the ship's oracle by right of blood, and was to be respected accordingly. There were only four crew aboard the USSN PMAC. Dalton Dial, in charge of weapon systems, Elizabeth Harris, in charge of navigation, and the Pratchett siblings, who worked together to keep the fifth-generation fusion reactor that powered the whole abomination within some semblance of working order. The Bratchett siblings' love of the reactor, which they affectionately named Sanson, was rivaled only by their hatred of the rest of the craft. Elizabeth and Dalton had more mixed feelings on the matter. Elizabeth considered the ship perhaps a little ridiculous on paper, but work of military genius while Dalton lauded the idea as literally the second coming of the Messiah, the only thing I prayed for my whole adulthood, and to answer that prayer manifest, just for me, to bring me back to the flock. Their mixed feelings could be explained away just by describing the Croft's concept. The PMAC was not a ship. It was the largest possible gun that could still be attached to an Alkabiri drive, with just enough power to steer, aim, and maintain the thing for long-term patrols. The prototype MAC that the life support, thrusters, and reactor had been constructed around hadn't even been built with space in mind. It was originally designed as a ground-to-orbit defense weapon. If it wasn't for the capacitor bank, the ship would have needed almost a minute between each shot to get enough power, even with a fifth-generation reactor. 
Luckily, it could start out each battle with enough charge to fire off a salvo of four before needing to begin recharging for its next launch. It had just such a salvo prepared for the pirate ambush that their military-grade scanners had picked up minutes earlier. Dalton was not taking the delay very well. With all due respect, ma'am, I've had a lock on all three for almost a minute now. I could fire and claim that I sneezed. The Pratchetts would back me up on this, right, guys? Emily Pratchett snorted. Why is it that when the weapons master says, with all due respect, he always means, break you for giving my stupidly large giant gun blue balls? Tom Pratchett shrugged. Maybe he would say it less if you weren't so eager to translate it to the navigator for him. Elizabeth was slightly amused by the conversation. It was hard to keep things particularly formal while on a crew this small. Still, she was waiting for something. She'd gotten permission from the brass to take on a new approach to fighting with the ship. They'd proven it could win battles. Now, it was time to establish shock and awe. And as it currently stood, dead men tell no tales. So, they needed a few more living ones. And as they watched two pirate ships pull forward, with one hanging back, she knew just who'd live to pass on this particular legend. Agrol watched the ships advance on his HUD, the blips crossing the thousands of kilometers between them and the strange ship in seconds. For a moment, he felt regret. Was he making a mistake? Was this going to be what led to some upstart in the crew thinking that they could do things better than him? Then the world went mad. The bow readings on the strange ship spiked. Hard. He thought that the baseline levels were outrageous, but they must have had some sort of absurd capacitor bank to expel that much energy that fast. The twin prongs that made up most of the length of the ship gave off some sort of EMP that fried the electronics of the viscera, his sister's ship, cutting off their radio traffic. His crew scrambled to find some way to regain contact when, gods of the dead, forgive me my sins and thou forget my debts, the actual weapon went off. The EMP hadn't even been the attack, it had just been a side effect. He hadn't seen a weapon because he'd been looking for one on the hull, some kind of guardian laser, or a missile pod. He hadn't even conceived that the whole goddamn vehicle could be the weapon. But what kind of weapon would charge up like that? A laser would fire over a sustained period. What would need a burst like a... He stopped mid-thought as it hit him. A railgun. He stopped again as it hit them. The kinetic charge would have to have been moving at almost 0.8c for it to just ignore the evasive maneuver like that. The ferrous slug itself wasn't detected by any of the defensive measures aboard, but the thermal readings of the viscera made every infrared sensor aboard scream in horror. Contact with whatever slug had hit it must have reduced the whole thing to plasma. It was almost inconceivable. He was already screaming out the full retreat call when the ship fired twice in rapid succession at the Rictus, which was still recovering from what had just happened to its partner. The first shot was dead through the center. The second hit some target a few dozen meters off to the side. A direct hit on an escape pod. Apparently, the captain had tried to save himself. Even in the mortal terror that he felt at that moment, her growl could take a grim satisfaction at that second shot. 
to leave all of the men that followed you to their deaths was a cowardice that he could not bear to consider. He would rather die. And now he was going to. Jump was 15 seconds away, and the console was telling him that the ship was pinging. They knew where he was. They had him in their crosses, and they were going to pull their trigger. He traced a finger over the purple scar absentmindedly. This was it. He'd been living on borrowed time since that first wound, and now he was to meet his ancestors. He was ready. Dalton was wincing, even as he maintained his ping on the ship. He knew that Elizabeth was just doing her job, but even by his admittedly bloodthirsty standards, there was something fricked up about keeping a ship in ping like this. It was like forcing someone to look you in the eyes before you slit their throat. Way too personal for his tastes. Elizabeth was keeping an eye on the craft, making sure that no escape pods were jettisoning. Part of her was hoping that some would... But whatever other faults the pirates had, they were loyal to each other, at least. As the ultraviolet scanners gave the tactile flare of redshift, she told Dalton to turn off the ping. To say that he was relieved was an understatement. In the middle of the firefight, he couldn't question Elizabeth's orders, but for the first time in a long time, he'd been afraid to pull the trigger. Now, he didn't have to. He almost slid out of his chair as he asked the question that had been on his mind since the engagement began. Ma'am, what the hell was that? Elizabeth smiled warmly at her very surprised crew, even as her words came out cold as ice. A message. End of story. Story number two. So, a dragon walks into a bar. Written by Fluffy Fireman. Oh, you insects, tremble and behold my gleaming scales, he roared. The halfling that ran for the door was quickly gored. You dare think you are faster than me? I am death inflamed, the fearsome beast grumbles. The elf in the back trembles. The dragon looks about. Now who shall be my dinner? He says with a sigh, and a lone hand raises in the back. Not I. The dragon's eyes narrow, and his nostrils flare. You say that, he taunts, but do I care? Well, uh, you might ought to, before you die. The dragon huffs with a crunk, giving the room a soak with smoke. The tail whips about with a snap, the dragon looking to give someone a quick dirt nap. My scales are iron, my claws are swords, and my teeth have many a gourd. My very presence causes the city to raise a siren. There's a clink and a pop, and the dragon hits the floor with a flop. Next time, son, don't prank with a human with a gun. The DM tosses his screen onto the floor and stands up abruptly. For frick's sake, Steve, your ranger isn't allowed to have a clock anymore. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you do, please consider supporting the author, even by popping over and leaving a thumbs up or a nice comment, just to show your appreciation for the story. 
However, if you wish to support this channel, there are links down below which will help immensely. I will see you all in the next one. And until then, I hope that you have a fantastic day. Cheers.